Welcome to For What It's Worth, an introduction and immersion into the furry fandom. Congratulations! You've just scored a one-down mushroom thanks to your hosts, Rue and Tugs. Welcome to For What It's Worth. Wait, we're starting? Yes! <laughs> I thought there'd be like a countdown or a clapboard. Uh, no, this is it. Am I forbidden from talking at this part? I guess we started. No one knows who you are for the next five minutes. Okay. Okay. So, this is Season 3, Episode 8. Super Video Games in the Fandom! Guess we, what the topic is today. I wish we had a, a way to do this, but... Do you remember the Super Game Boy commercial where, like, the fireball was flying everywhere and, like, the guy's hair was on fire? Does anyone remember this commercial? How are you? How was your last two weeks? It's been two weeks already. Actually, it's been know. a week, two weeks and a day. It's crazy. Are you ready for the new new character of Smash Brothers that I'm going to ruin for you? Is it a secret character? Not really. Did they really announce a new one? They announced This is what he did in the last two ones. weeks. Okay, who? Okay, here you go. <laughs> Kirby. Luigi. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, and you want to know what the next new, new character? Peach. Princess Peach. <laughs> I have ruined it for you, haven't I? No, I just want them to put more people in. Besides Mega Man. More relevant people, not Luigi. Yeah, because no. Luigi is less relevant than the Wii Fit chick. No, they have to do Luigi because it's the year of Luigi, so of course they're going to put him in, but still. And I still think Luigi has more entitlement to be there than the Wii Fit chick. Speaking of the year of Luigi, I am playing one of the games, the the dream partner dream thing. The partner dream thing. What is it? What also is it? known oh, as Sexy Mario, Time. Mario and Luigi, um, dream the team. dream team. See, the dream team is to me a bunch of black dudes playing basketball. I guess there was Stockton on there, though. You mean the Harlem Globetrotters? No, no, the Olympic dream team. Where they had like all the superstars of the 90s in the NBA. I mean, the NBA always has an all star team, and then there's the Harlem Globetrotters, and then there's our Olympic team where we go and show the rest of the world we invented basketball. I'm going to eat this. So I want to hear how you've been enjoying Affinity. and what Affinity? Yeah. I have an affinity for many things. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, sorry. Infinity? Infinity, whatever. They are different words. We are discussing now this product from Disney. I have an affinity for Infinity. Uh, I like it. It's good. Uh, I played through the incredible set. I've discovered I'm a devious bastard in which I pick up the citizens and repeatedly throw them in the water to kill them. Pretty good. So is that like actually a rank in the game? Like achievement unlocked, devious, devious bastard. bastard. I wish. Forty gamer points. No. Um, <laughs> I've also discovered that I'm I'm enjoying levels that you have to try and survive to get to the end, and if you die, you start at the beginning, and they're quite long. So. So levels that have a Nintendo difficulty curve. Uh, a Japanese Nintendo yeah. difficulty <laughs> curve. Let's <laughs> be. Yeah, so, uh, no, it's good. It's not like Skylanders. Uh, it, I mean, obviously it has the same put something on a pad mechanic. The real difference is, though, that Skylanders is about going on this linear adventure where you just swap your characters out or go into a specific area for a specific character type, whereas Infinity is more about if we could still play toys, this is what we would do because we're adults and we know how. Of course, kids do it too, but, you know, they're just playing toys. Um, so you don't have to buy all the characters to have fun. You just buy what you want. That's all good. And they have a money bin in there, which is pretty cool. You can go in Scrooge McDuck's money bin and put That's it wherever cool. you want. I know. So I can you, like, swim around it? Uh, you can't get into the coins. You can walk around on them. It's kind of like a mesh texture thing. But it does make the little chink chink sound. Like, oh, man, that's a horrible that's thing. That's racist. Yeah, the, you know what I'm talking about. The money sound. Coins clanking <laughs> together. Yes, that thing. 
Moving on. Anyway, so no, I, I'm, I'm enjoying Infinity. I did get the Bolt power discs, of course. Um, I don't like the power disc situation. I, I just, yeah. The whole blind draw thing pisses me off just enough. Especially now at Toys R Us where you can't even feel the packages. They just choose them for you. Yeah, and then you get more of the same things you already have. Although I did buy more discs yesterday and I got Felix, uh, Fix-It Felix's hammer. Nice. So, really? Yeah. Really? So you have to like... It's just like a random draw. It, well, it is. But you can, you can sort of give yourself a, a leg up because power discs come in two shapes. There's kind of like a, a weird trapezoid hexagon thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the round, which is a character power-up. So the round ones are the ones I'm looking for because you can combine them. You can stack multiple discs uh, underneath the character. That's how you activate them. They don't stay with the character like they do in Skylanders. And I, I have enough of the other kinds of discs that bring you cars and change the scenery and stupid shit. And they're kind of pointless in my view because you can't use them in the wrong world. So I can't take like Mulan's horse and run around with it in the Incredibles place that I have to be in a toy box, which is like kind of a neutral area. Sandbox. Yeah. Well, they call it the toy box, but it is the sandbox. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so I'm not a big fan of those ones. But sandbox I like the turned ones. out to be copyright Warner Brothers, so Disney couldn't use it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and I, I do want to get the Tron disc, but apparently it's Toys R Us exclusive and only available on Saturday. And all the eBay people go and steal them, so... But I do enjoy it. It's, so it's are you going to go in there on Saturday early in the morning to go get one? I am not because I'm recording a show. But I'm not playing. I took a break for a couple days because now Kingdom Hearts came out, the HD remix, which is amazing looking, and I've been playing the hell out of that. It's been fun. Yeah, yeah. They fixed the controls to be more Kingdom Hearts 2 style. You can actually move the camera with the right joystick for the first time. Good. <laughs> Good. Except for the whole circle easier. X mapping. Uh, yeah, so... I was talking about this the other day with, with our guest, actually. Um, and I, I have the Japanese versions of Final Mix uh, 2 and a couple other ones. And in Japan, O is your attack button on the PlayStation controller, which is on the right. And then X is your jump. In America, they always flip it. So in the HD remix, um, I'm jumping into enemies acting like I want to hug them instead of actually attacking them. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work so well. And they don't give you the option to remap it. Even though, really? Even though it looks like you can, sort of, because you can go into the menu and it like shows a diagram of the controller and you can like move around. But you around. can't remap it. No, but no. what they did do is they decided to say, fuck you. And when you go in the gummy ship levels, your attack is O. Yeah. Yeah, and X is your brakes. So you break right into an enemy. <laughs> so I've never played through... Um, to Kingdom Hearts, should I? Yes, this is. If yes. you haven't started playing the series, the critical information you need to know is going to be on that disc because it has one, one point five, which is the stupid card one, and one point seven five, and uh, three fifty eight over two, which kind of fills in all the backstory necessary for you to play two and then three fifty eight over two. Yes. Yeah. Like so, does this I'll have to like off the air. I don't all spoil of them? Or? <laughs> no, no, it has one, one and a half, and then they remastered the videos from three fifty eight over two because it was on the DS. I'm not going to be happy until they release like E to the I Pie. Yeah, yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> what else have you done? Oh well, I played Dynasty Warriors. I don't know. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. by the way, I went on a date. Oh, I'm the oh. F.A. is still in read-only mode. Furries are jumping off the buildings. <laughs> yeah. What a surprise. Screaming drama, drama. Woo! <laughs> well, there was something that we did, too. It, tur- it turns out golden parachutes are actually not as effective at stopping a fall as you thought. <laughs> Mostly you just get crushed flat under a ton of gold. We went to this, like, 
the really, only way to die. Really weird convention called Anthrocon. No, I'm just kidding. Well, we had Rabbit <laughs> Valley out last episode because they were in town for that. Oh, yeah. Did we talk about Anthrocon already? Uh, well, we kind of did then, but we also had, and thanks again to Margaret Cho for yeah. lending us her audio. So she was sort of on our show. Yeah, she kind of was. That was cool. Um, Do I need to worry about who sat on this couch? No, she's not sat on the couch. Because <laughs> I, I listened to that podcast. Yes. I'm like, no, 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 no. You, I'm now wary of all couch-like you, things. You'll get couch butt from sitting there, though. Okay. Well, <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that like sexually transmitted, then? Am I having a relationship with your couch, and I don't know it? What's... Nope, nope. It's just a thing. It's okay. all, you but if you, sit with, if you get couch butt too long, then you get bookshelf booty. Currently, you are in like some sort of relationship with everybody that has ever been on this show. Because they've all sat there. Okay, well, I'm terrified now. <laughs> I'm going to have to burn my pants. Can you burn them now? <laughs> all right. All it's... right, cookie time. Wait, bite it. There you go, little chew. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You know, little chew, all you need to do is email me, and I can mute that guy. You know, Just I don't know who him. little chew is, but that's cool. Little At some point, little... you're going to get to do an episode on dental work, because he's going to like lose a filling or chip a tooth on that. Chip a tooth. He's good with his mouth, apparently. Romance is in your future if you reach out and grab it at the right time. In bed with a cookie. (laughs) Grabbing it at the right time is always important. Welcome to the main segment, Super Video Games in the Fandom. We're back! Guess what? Guess what? Dun dun dun! Finally, something you sing that we have rights to. What? We have rights to that? It's just a generic sound. What's up? <laughs> well, well, guess what today's episode is? It's Video Games in the Fandom, yes, but guess what number this episode is? Oh, that thing. 666? 50. Oh. It's our 50th episode! Yay! Yay! <laughs> we have came far. Phrasing. What? We have come. We've come far. It's still worse. <laughs> we have made a great and perilous journey. And we're here at the 50th episode. You, have you been here for all 50? No, you've been here for 49 of 50. So um, that's I, pretty good. I've only like missed maybe like one or two one. episodes. My lad, my sad emo episode where I was all by myself <laughs> you couldn't make it. It was like the saddest like episode ever. It was like, I'm here. Hi, this is for what it's worth, and it's by myself. Well, that's because I was I hadn't been hosting very long, so I was like, ah, and I'd be like, well, whatever. You should have called me. I could have filled in. It was it was that really bad snowstorm we had last winter. Eh, eh. I got four wheel drive. I don't, but I don't care either. So tell us a little bit about yourself, guest. I, I don't know. I was told no one knows who I am, and now now, now they I do. Am. Now oh, okay. Going to, now they now you get to reveal. Pull the curtain back Pull and reveal yourself back. to us. Oh God, it's a tiger! Sorry, wrong wrong story. Um, <laughs> it's the great and powerful Oz. <laughs> <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. I'm Damon, and I'm here to talk about Vinci games. Believe it or not, he knows more than ponies. It's true. Although I, I apparently need to do more episodes of your show to convince the world <laughs> that I have knowledge beyond that of Equestria. 
<laughs> so, Damon, what is um, what's your persona? My persona is is a husky. Do you have alts? I I can't. I have pony OCs. Yes, I also have a caribou. A caribou. Yeah. Coffee. I guess I could be their mascot if they wanted. I've never known this. I know. It's, I don't. I, I haven't managed to find anyone to make the suit yet, or had the money to pay them, so it hasn't existed. Oh. <laughs> the money is the more important. Yeah, part. yeah. It's, <laughs> like, it's like I know somebody who can make that, but yeah, money is important. Yeah, it's like having having the wherewithal to pay it while also making my mortgages. <laughs> roof, yep. fursuit, roof. Mm, take the roof. <laughs> So let's see what what was the last episode that we had you on? I know we kind of already revealed it, but uh, we had you on the ponies episode, right? I think it was like episode point three. Point three. <laughs> I think you were like our season two opener or something like that. Oh, it was God. like ponies. It ponies, was a, it ponies. was a thrilling debate between two minds who agreed on everything. <laughs> And then we had Happy Mills I that got had to, ponies in it. I, I, I got a Fluttershy. I still have that Fluttershy. Why is that so quiet? It's called background music. My little pony, my little pony. <laughs> I'm going to stab you in the cooch. I was, I was invited on the show to debate, and I failed to prove I was a master debater. Well, that's because the person that we had on there at that time agreed with him all. The agreed time. with everything. <laughs> yeah, he was like, "I'm I'm a pony hater. I'm going to take you apart." And I was like, "All right, let me make a regional argument." And he's, he's like, like okay. "I see your point. That's yeah. a very good." Like, uh-huh. wow, this is the worst debate club meeting ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell us how long you've been in the fandom. How long have I been in the fandom? Um, I found out there was a fandom in, let's say, 2007. <laughs> Um, I've probably been into anthropomorphic characters and costuming and mascots and thinking that was cool forever, but uh, ran into my first encounter with other furs in like 2007. I feel so old. Old, I say. Uh, now you're not that old. Oh, there we go. The question came back to me. So, tell us your first video game you ever played. First video game I ever played. Because that's going to define your knowledge right there. Okay, so like console or PC? Where, where, where do you what do you want? Until last year, video games was just consoles. Was just consoles. Yeah. Okay, so the first console system my family owned was a Nintendo Entertainment System. So probably Tetris was one of the first I played. Nice. Um, that's the Game Boy one. The. Oh. And I, I Super Mario Brothers three. I remember fondly. I also had uh, Nemo in Dreamland. <gasps> I love that game. James likes that game. You um, throw so candy at animals throw, and then you turn you into wear them. their skin. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually kind of creepy, and it's one that we found the movie. Um, I remember watching that as a kid. And the animation is beautiful, but the movie is a disaster. And, and I did research on it later, and it turns out that the movie had, like, five directors and 11 oh. writers, and people kept, like, disowning it, and other people had to take it, and it's got an all-star cast, it's got a whole bunch of voices you recognize, and it's a complete mess. So... Do you remember beating that game? Um, I remember finding the code that let me skip to the last <gasps> level so that I could beat the game. Oh! 
You know what I've always wondered now? It's so are, cheap. Are those codes, deve- I mean, were they always there in the beginning for developers only? And then like, it was kind of like, oh, we'll let them out as little secrets. Or was it always built as, you can skip stuff by putting in the secret code? The the one that I, I'm, the one for Nemo, I'm pretty sure was built in. I think a lot of games did Probably things. Probably used the game genie. <laughs> no, it was, it was one of those, it wasn't the Konami code. It was a push Konami button. didn't do it, but it was... It was like up, up, down, down, B, A, and then you hit select the number of times you for the levels you want to get to. So if you pushed it seven times, you'd start on world seven and then start. And I think a lot of that was done because, you know, there was no save game in Nintendo. Oh, yeah. So, so either you did what a lot of people did, which was pause the game and turn the TV off and hope that your mom didn't turn off the console while you were at school, <laughs> or you needed a cheat code to help you pick up where you left off. It was about this, you know, you were talking about, you know, making sure that your mom didn't, like, shut off the game and stuff like that. I was going, I was playing through Zelda, and um, at that present time, I was playing it in such a way in which I wasn't able to save all the way through. I couldn't save at all the way that I was playing it, unfortunately. How? It just, I couldn't, I don't know, like, I was cheating, okay? I was cheating through it, and so... Oh my god! I couldn't. The Nintendo police are coming. They're going to get you. I know, but because no one ever cheated in Nintendo games, that Genie product was the only way for you to save in that game is for you to die, and then you can save. And so, um, oh my god, you're right. My sister's um, boyfriend came over. I was I was on the second time playing through because I wanted to beat it. You know the second time so you did like and, infinite lives or something and yeah yeah so you couldn't die like so infinite hearts type thing ah. so did you use a game genie yes you i used bastard. a game genie but needless well at least i'm not like using save states or something like everybody uses now just kidding um all right this story's going on too long ne- needless to say what ended up happening is her my my sister's boyfriend came over my mom asked me to come like do the dishes or something like that and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll be there. Just one minute. And he's like, well, let me show you what we do in our house when you don't follow the, you know, follow what your mom says and stuff like that. Oh, and he went no. over and he shut off my game. He pushed the power button. I was like, I like freaked out. <laughs> it's like, it was like, I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken. I was like crying. Honestly, I've been I, like, upset. Attacked the <laughs> I've been upset in the past looking at when you look at what the Famicom looked like, the the Japanese one that was what? all red and gold, and it was hardwired. And the cons- and the the cartridge went down in the top, and you had like sliders for the buttons, mm-hmm. versus the way that they reskinned, reformatted the the console for the U.S. market. I I've come to the conclusion that the Japanese have a really low opinion of Americans. No, the reason there is a reason for that change. Um, because when they they had two issues of the Famicom, and the first issue they had to completely recall, and from what I have read, it was actually the same design we had, and then they switched it to that top-down design, because they had to go re-engineer the whole motherboard anyway. But they had already sent over the box to the U.S., so they just shipped the new motherboards. Huh. So, being that you you played NES, like, that was your first system, what was your fondest memory that you had? from um the game i enjoyed playing the most on our nes okay so so a little background i guess is relevant so my family hasn't owned a console other than the nes until i bought my parents a wii so they could have netflix (laughs) wow (laughs) so we we leapt over a couple of the middle generations like all of them 
a couple. Uh, the reason for this, though, was it, my family moved overseas uh, when I was five. Thank you, region lockout. And, well, it wasn't even the region lockout problem. It was just that we lived in, in the Middle East and we didn't have access to a lot of things. So we had an NES. I did have a friend who had a SNES. I played Mortal Kombat on that. Oh, um, the original, like, Mortal Kombat 1. Before Nintendo got all sensitive and took all the blood out of everything. I don't know if the Mortal Kombat had spite on the any on the did Super it? Nintendo. Because mm-hmm. Sega's big marketing stick was that it had blood. Huh. There must have been a code or something. Cause I remember that game being violent. Oh no, it was um, still violent. But I think there was a like super blood code you could put in. Yeah, but uh, the, one of the games I enjoyed playing was Base Wars, which I don't know if anyone has heard of. Was um, it like Scorched Earth? No, it wasn't Scorched Earth. It was actually baseball, but you were playing on an asteroid in space, and all of the teams were robots. That's amazing. And then if if you threw the ball <laughs> to a base, and like the other team encountered where it was, it wasn't automatically an out if you got to like second before the player. You then had to fight for it. <laughs> so the robots had to battle each other, and you could theoretically do enough damage to take out three of their players. They had to forfeit the game. <laughs> And you could buy upgrades for the the different robots so they could pitch faster, catch better. So they had all sorts. It it was a hugely complicated game. Whoever developed it really liked New York and really hated Boston. (laughs) Um, Because the the equivalent of the Red Sox was like the worst team in the game. You, You would not win. And the Yankees were so OP that it was disgusting. So, of course, you played as the Yankees versus the Yankees all the time. Is this, I was, is this a game where they hard-coded one of the teams to lose every time? I don't think so. You you could win. Like, like I did once start a two-player game with no one at the other controller and win with Boston <laughs> just to prove it was possible. Hmm. But whoever developed it hated the Red Sox. Like, that was pretty apparent from how the, the teams were set up. That was one that I, I spent a lot of time playing that. So this is the question that our audience deeply wants to know. You're never really how good many at those. times? How many times did you have to like blow into the car- cartridge to actually get it to work? Well, there's a term for that now. It's called playing the song of error. <laughs> I have the shirt to prove it. Yeah. Do I have to like enter With the link. right combination of yellow arrow keys to play nope. the song? No, you just start playing on your cartridge like it's an ocarina. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the, our Nintendo did not give us that much trouble. We had some cartridges that. I had a friend who also owned the NES, and for some reason they had this problem. I think part of it was my mother was a neat freak. So the house was mostly like a clean room environment, so I think that helped preserve the console. There are my other friends who had, like, normal people for parents, um, (laughs) frequently had that problem. So one benefit of my mother's cleanliness was electronics survived better. Um, I, I have done the trick of, of blowing in a console. I've also done things like putting alcohol on a Q-tip and cleaning the contacts. But it's a 30-pin connector. Ultimately, it was the problem. 72. 72. 72, thank you. The big one. Um, I, I have a new one on my NES. I don't have to push it down anymore. I just stick the cartridge in. It's nice. Honestly, my favorite my favorite case mod for the NES has to be the toaster. The toaster? Like, it's, it's like an old chrome toaster that someone has mounted all the hardware in. Oh, nice. So you put the cartridge in the top and then push the toast lever down. <laughs> and that's how you turn the console on. I actually, for a brief while, owned the reissue NES that actually was top-loading, like the Japanese-style one. That was cool, but they only made, like, five. <laughs> yeah. 
You, you don't see those often. Mm-hmm. Well, you can um, get the ones nowadays where it's like NES and Super NES and Sega in like all one little console now. The TriStar. Yeah. And the other console I played on the most as, as a kid starting in video games was the Game Boy. The original Game Boy. The big fatty. The gigantic white thing with its beautiful three-color grayscale screen. <laughs> <laughs> Tones of green and kind of gray. The brick. That you could like throw at somebody's head. Do you, do you remember when the when the Game Boy Color came out? Yes, and How? it was like. <gasps> now the color. the one that was truly amazing was when they did the pocket. Stick it in your pocket. Where they were like, "Look, we've reduced this thing from the original seventy four pounds." Yeah, that that thing yeah, that I, I was showing me. I was tablet. playing on that just about a month ago. I've beaten that game that you have in that picture like forty times. What oh, game is it? It's so the it's, Super Mario Brothers. It's a picture of me holding like a near mint condition old Game Boy playing Super Mario Land. One of my coworkers brought it in in like the original retail box too. Sad wow. that I don't have. You know what's funny? If you go to Smith's and you use the U scan. Um, and it gives you the, if you have inventory control tags message, there in the picture it shows the Game Boy retail box. <laughs> I'm like, a little old. What, did you write this software? 1980, what? Um, I think they just use an old image asset. But one thing, one thing I remember was with the Game Boy, uh, at one point my family went to Hong Kong, and you could pick up pirated stuff easy. The rabbit chip. Um, so we had, we had a couple, I've got a couple of cartridges at home that are 54 in one. And twenty four and one, <laughs> and it's the same game. No, it's not actually. Well, it there's is, like five, right? There's there's actually one of yeah. It's it's you you very quickly realize that the difference between like game one and game eleven is they've changed a hex value, so you have more lives or something. But yeah, they had these. I mean, the the twenty four and one was my favorite because instead of giving you a menu at the beginning when you loaded the cartridge, it had a little rubber button on the back, and so to cycle the games, you push the button and it temporarily interrupted power in the Game Boy, and then when it came back up, it was on the next game. I've seen those, which meant that, and you had to at least wait for the ding. The the Nintendo mm-hmm. ding. You had to wait for that before you could push the button again. So so I'd sit in the back of the car and drive my parents crazy. Ding. Ding! <laughs> I really want to get to number 14. You're done. You're playing eight. I don't want to play eight. You're playing eight. I'm sick of that noise. <laughs> so. So what elements do you need to have a good experience with a game? Uh, like now or when I was eight? <laughs> I think the answer would be the same. Um, I don't know. I think my standards have gotten gotten higher, I hope. As I've aged, I've looked for more in games. Um, I remember... Okay, so jumping over to PCs. I had a friend who had a 286, and I remember playing the original King's Quest from Sierra on the 286. It had a turbo button. You pushed it, and the little number went from 33 to 66. It was the coolest thing. (laughs) Um, Also played the original Hitchhiker's Guide like text game. Oh, didn't Douglas Adams write that directly? He did, and it was a terrible game. Like, it was hilarious and full of his humor, but the game deliberately beat you about the head and shoulders that if you missed something, you were just screwed. And it may take you hours to realize just how screwed you were. Um, I have a specific example of that if we get to it. But um, I think nowadays, I think when I was younger, it was like colors and did it look cool. I was really sold on, wow, look at these amazing graphics. Indiana Jones must be like 40 pixels. <laughs> this is so cool. Um, I think as as time has gone by, despite 
all the people who argue against this. I'm with the Museum of Modern Art in saying that video games are in fact an art form, are a valuable medium for telling stories. And I think that that games that are interesting versus just pretty or cool looking are what I appreciate more now that I really miss some of the old like the LucasArts Scum Engine games like Day of the Tentacle and Full Throttle and Monkey Island where they couldn't rely too much on super graphics because they didn't have any so they had to make interesting stories and characters and I think we got away from that for a while and now with things like Kickstarter and Indiegogo where developers can create games and push them straight out to an audience instead of having to convince shareholders that this will make money um, we're seeing some of that again with like Double Fine and, and other companies trying to make these games so I think nowadays I'm a little more discriminating that I want I want a game that's going to be entertaining not just because of the 47 ways to kill an alien, but because it's going to tell something interesting as a story. Not that I don't enjoy blowing up well-rendered, high-polygon count aliens as much as the next person, but... You need to do it for a reason. Well, I, I, I would prefer that. I mean, if... I've enjoyed a few games that have no plot or have like a porno, a porno movie plot that it's like the vaguest contrivance of story has been has been added for your your enjoyment. But a lot of time, what I'm looking for now is: Do I care about what's going on in the game? Do I care about these characters? Do I do I like the narrative? I think in many ways the graphics are separate from the story. I think good writing will make up for poor graphics long before great graphics make up for crummy story. <laughs> Final Fantasy 13, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> Lifelike graphics. Mm -hmm. What's going on? We don't know. <laughs> I, I, it's just amazing. Look at look at those. Look look at her. That guy's got a tail. <gasps> <gasps> oh, well, that comes to our next question then. Wait, I want to chime in. You want to chime? Okay. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> story, so, story is important. This reminds have, me of my last episode. You have to have good controls. And it it can't be five hours of game. I'm getting really tired of the five hour game. Like, I get that I'm an adult and I can't sit down and play forever and ever and ever for every game. But when I pay sixty bucks for a game, I want to get sixty dollars worth of fun out of it. And with with a really short game lately, I'm starting to feel a little screwed. And it's one thing when you go on like Steam or you go to the Xbox Arcade and you pick up something for eight dollars. It's like if that's six hours long, I'm I'm okay with that. Right. If I spend 60 bucks for a new release title and I've reached the end that in day. an afternoon, it's like, did I play it wrong? Where, what did I miss? Injustice. Yeah, it, yeah. Kind of, it does leave you feeling a little empty, huh? You're like, what did I skip? Almost. I, I guess in some ways, and this is this is horribly economical of me, but the, the idea is I know how much I make an hour. So, so the market values my time at X an hour. If it takes me more time to make the money to buy your game than it took to beat your game... I'm a little upset. I, I want ratio. I want to feel like I'm getting my money's worth. I mean, one that I bought just recently because it was retro and nostalgia was they released DuckTales Remastered. Is it good? And I played DuckTales originally on the Game Boy. I know it was on the Nintendo and the NES first, but I played it on the Game Boy. And I just for the trip down memory lane, it's worth it. It's pretty good. It does have that traditional Nintendo game difficulty curve. Is Japanese my one or American? Just generally, that their design philosophy was a little different. 
So they introduce mechanics and puzzles through the entire game that are solved roughly the same way. You're either going to hit a rock with Scrooge's cane and it's going to go off and hit a chest and pop it open, or you're going to have to like jump on the invisible chest that leads to a ledge that you otherwise can't reach. So that's the mechanic for a lot of the game. And then the final, the final task has nothing to do with anything that they've taught you before. The final task to get to the end of the game is just climb this as fast as you can. So, but I, I think that if you if you played the game, especially on one of the original consoles, it's totally worth it for the trip down memory lane. And they did a really good job. As far as as furries and games, I don't think I ever thought about that as a kid, and I don't think I've ever bought anything as an adult strictly because of furry content. Like I didn't yes. I didn't buy Ducktales because they were ducks. I bought Ducktales because I played Ducktales when I was like seven and thought, I want to play this again. This was I have memories about this. What about you? Hmm? Do you Me? buy games just because there's furries in it? No. Do you know anyone? Yeah. How do they justify that? It just seems to be like that you can have so much varying quality if that's your sole criteria. You know, it's just also, you some must... people they they really like furries and so therefore they want to buy every single game that has a furry in it. I tried that once and ended up getting a game that was just so terrible. <laughs> I played it for like five minutes and I still haven't played it again. I, I actually have a story. Okay, I, I will admit that occasionally I have been motivated by character designs that are anthropomorphic. Uh, there is a game, I don't know if it's hit a final release yet, but I got on an early release called Dusty's Revenge that is kind of your side-scroller combat, you know, think like street fighter ish game except it's set in the old west the main character is a rabbit he's got a bear and a dog who are you know they're all anthropomorphic like cowboy characters so it's kind of like firefly but furry, mm-hmm. furry in the old west <laughs> furry fly fire furry neither of those sound good so you know i i bought that partially because i just played elysium you know dust you know, that I bought thinking, okay, this is this is a furry project. I'm going to support it. And other people have told me the game is worthwhile. Um, Dusty's Revenge isn't finished yet. <laughs> so. so have you ever played Sly Cooper? I have played Sly Cooper. So if Sly Cooper was not a raccoon and they were all humans or something like that, would that increase or decrease the... Um, I mean, Sly Cooper is a game that I tried. I think someone else bought it, and I played it on their console first kind of thing. It's not a type of game that I would buy myself. I really am not a platformer person. Plus, that 3D view, like, you know... I I struggled with Sly Cooper, and Sly Cooper is pretty brutal in how exacting it is that you have to hit these platforms and jumps just right, or the game is going to become an endless cycle of your death. So I, I don't know that I would have bought Sly Cooper at all, but I own it, so I have to have been motivated by some of the furry factor. I may also have been motivated by other people who are like, oh, I love this game, but I'm broke because I'm a furry. Okay, well, I'll buy it. You could come hang out. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, how about Banjo-Kazooie? If Banjo and Kazooie were... I don't, I don't own any Banjo-Kazooie okay. games, so obviously that didn't motivate me to uh, buy them. <laughs> well, how about for you, Tugs? Banjo and Kazooie. No. If they were humans, I don't care. Would it have changed the factor of? The I'm game? going to say something that just is going to blow people's minds. I think Banjo Kazooie sucked. <gasps> I like 
Fantastic. It was too repetitive. I didn't it like was it. Mario 64 with a bird and a bear. Oh. Sorry. True. I really liked Banjo-Kazooie. Did so. you play Mario 64? Yeah. They basically were the same things. Go through a level and get this series of object it was, levels. Personally, I thought Banjo-Kazooie was better than Mario 64. Because it had a better story. But a lot of those games from that era, because Mario 64 did the 3D platformer, Spyro did the 3D platformer, um, Banjo-Kazooie did 3D. It was one that... It, it's kind of like how we've just had like three movies about blowing up the White House in right. the last six months. Well, it was it, the it, it, 3D platform it, era. Yeah, I think it, it was one. I mean, Donkey Kong, I think, did a variation on 3D platformer. Yeah, I love so they, they I loved that game. Every franchise was going through the, look, we could render a new dimension. <laughs> we have to gimmick this. Nintendo's notorious for that, too. I will say, I did play Final Fantasy IX because it was Final Fantasy, and I was, you know, it was in the era where Final Fantasy is cool. Um, and I played nine, and I was actually intrigued by the character because he had a tail, and it kind of motivated me to keep playing when I would have stopped. But that's about as much as it ever has been an influence. Zidane's weird, and I don't remember why he has a tail. Why are you staring at me like that? I was just thinking if there was a game that had Bolt in it, every single game. There is a game that has Bolt in it. It's well, called Bolt. It's called Bolt. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's say the Bolt just appeared in. Like a whole bunch but of that's, that's just, different. just random games. That's like, different though. That's not because he's furry. It's because I like Bolt the character. Yeah, Bolt is uh, furry. No, Bolt is a dog. Yeah, Bolt is. He's not, not anthropomorphic. He's just a dog. Well, no, he is. He speaks. Wait, yes, well, he is. He has human characteristics because he speaks English. Yep. Okay, but he doesn't have human form. Like, is what I was thinking. Brave what little I toaster. Brave little toaster yes. is considered anthropomorphic. It's a furry movie. All right, I think it's time for break. What are we at time wise? Uh, a lot. Okay. Imagine a warm white sand beach, clear ocean water, and a hammock under the palm trees. Wouldn't be nice to lie there and enjoy the peace and quiet? The cast of For What It's Worth certainly will never know, as the show travels to a place with no beach and no palm trees. For What It's Worth Live will be in Seattle for Rainforest 2013. Join Tugs and special guest host Keo Foxtrot from Fuzzy Logic as they bring the show's signature insanity to you on a whole new level. Prizes, a special RF-only giveaway, the game, and major hijinks will be presented on stage. So liquor up, grab your friends, and put your ass in a seat as for what it's worth live comes to Rainforest 2013. Today, on For What It's Worth News, it's a fairly quiet time in the furry news sphere. Someone who has had a direct impact on this episode, and most likely on your life in some form, passes away. Bringing you the latest news from around the furry fandom, this is For What It's Worth News. Our news story of the day falls outside what we would normally cover as a furry podcast, however, it is relevant to today's topic. Hiroshi Yamauchi, former president of Nintendo from 1949 to 2002, 
passed away on Thursday, the 19th of September, in Kyoto, Japan. He was 85. Yamauchi was the head of Nintendo when he decided to expand the company's legacy from its 1889 roots of Hanafuda card manufacturing into electronic video games. Known for his hard management style and uncanny ability to predict market demand, Yamauchi is considered by some to be the Steve Jobs of the video game industry, being notoriously exacting in his demands for quality of hardware and software. The former president is also known for his discovery of Shigeru Miyamoto, who later went on to create Nintendo's famous franchises they are known for today. After his retirement in 2002, Yamauchi lived a quiet life, enjoying his hobby of the Japanese game titled Go. Nintendo has had the same president since his retirement. The hosts of For What It's Worth would like to personally express their condolences at the loss of Yamauchi-sama. If you have played a Nintendo game or are aware of the company, your life has been personally touched by this man. Yamauchi-sama, thank you for all you've done. Upcoming Conventions Rainforest 2013 is September 26th through 30th in Seattle, Washington. For What It's Worth Live will be presented on Friday at 7 p.m. Come and have a great time. Furwag is scheduled for October 4th through 6th in Perth, Western Australia. Furloween is scheduled for October 19th in Orlando, Florida. Furfright is scheduled for October 25th through 27th in Cromwell, Connecticut. If you have a news story you'd like to hear on the air, send it to news at forwhatitsworth.com. You could be our next lead story. From the FWIW News Desk, this is Tugs, bringing you the latest news from around the furry fandom. Stay tuned for The Game, Listener Mail, and more. Remember, reply to your rabid value order email for free media mail shipping in the USA or discounted international shipping elsewhere. Just let them know you heard about them on For What It's Worth. Deal expires September 30. This is Firefox from Nottingham in England, and you're listening to For What It's Worth. <laughs> Thank you, Firefox, for the ident. If you want your ident on there, and we're going to run out soon, send them. Uh, send them to us. There's a button on our site that says do our ident, and it gives you all the instructions, format details, blah, 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 blah. Can I just record one while I'm here? Yes. Okay. Do it right now. We may have right technology. We'll, yes. we'll worry about that after the show. <laughs> <laughs> Film before a live studio ostrich. <laughs> Are you sure that's why? <laughs> ha! So, so what influences are there in the fandom? Like what with um, sex? Um, wait, what are we talking about? What influences are there in the fandom in games? Like, yeah, how has the fandom influenced video games? Yeah, which that's is what I meant. we're talking about, Sorry. Mr. Introduction. Oh right. <laughs> um, I think that the I mean, when you look at things like Elysium, you know, Dust. I have not played it. It's it's very pretty. Yeah. Um, I, I think part of it is that the infrastructure and the the marketplace for games that enables someone to single-handedly produce something means that the fandom can can get out there and make games in the same way that you can produce music or poetry or writing or pictures and share it. That there is actually a way to make a game and maybe one day recoup your costs for it. Um. I don't know how much of a, of, an, of a market... I don't know how many furry games by furries for furries have really been made. I was trying to think of the name of one over the break. 
and I cannot for the life of me think of what it was, but it's older. Um, that I know after the game kind of didn't go anywhere, there's a comic online that, that's finishing the story. Hmm. Someone well, in your audience knows what I'm talking about, because I don't. Um, <laughs> well, flip the question on its head, then. How have video games influenced the fandom? I have seen a lot of Sonics. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there are a lot of characters who are, are you know, just like any, any media. I mean, uh, I've seen Mordecai from regular show. I've seen Sonic from video games. You know, Yoshi seems to show up and stuff. Uh, different, different... Pikachu, Pikachu, Pokemon. a lot of Pokemon. Don't get me started on Pokemon. I'm going to rage quit. Um, <laughs> but you gotta catch them all. <laughs> Being materialistic. The no, it's it's one that I, I for example, there's a group on DeviantArt that I subscribed to originally because one of the things that I enjoy looking at is is good TF art, and what I have seen a lot of is very bad pencil drawn Pokemon TF, which. Like, after about the 900th one, really loses its charm. Who am I kidding? After, like, the ninth one, really loses its charm. So, it's like, how many Lucarios does the world actually need? Come on. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I, I think, though, that those franchises definitely have had some impact just in what people write about, what people draw, what people costume as. Or Digimon. Digimon. We have an email. Uh-oh. And it's from Not Zero, and it says... First, I'd like to start the email with a congrats on the 50th episode. Yay! As Tugs may or may not have told you, I will be sending Tim Tams to the show. <gasps> really? Yeah, and he sent us a link to a digital Tim Tam. Mm. <laughs> anyway, the one video game I can think of that got me into the fandom was the Sly Cooper franchise and the Star Fox franchise. There was something so mystifying about watching these animals act and interact with the environment and others around them. It wasn't until much later in life that I was introduced to the fandom through a friend. At first I didn't get it, but later I made the connection of, oh, so you guys like animal people, and it just snowballed from there. Have a great day. Love and kisses, not zero. <gasps> My God, kisses. Can I be horribly pedantic? What? In Star Fox, what they're doing isn't actually a barrel roll. What is it? It's an aileron roll. What's a barrel roll? So a barrel roll is when you take the plane, and if you imagine like a gigantic barrel, the plane is going to move around the inside surface of that that cylinder. <laughs> So when, when you take a plane and roll it about its central axis, that's an aileron roll. I think so Nintendo no one in Star that. Fox actually does a barrel roll. That's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just feel the need to be pedant. I have, I have a rant that I saw online that convinced me in many ways that Star Fox is not the flying ace you've been led to. It's all propaganda. Oh, my God. I have to Do say this. Do a barrel roll. So I, I've been playing Kingdom Hearts on this gummy ship crap that I don't like doing. Um, and I was sitting there when I was going through, and I was like, I swear I can do some kind of a barrel roll type thing. Like, I, I couldn't, I wasn't thinking of that consciously, but I was like, can't I spin around or something for a little mini shield? And you two. just made me realize, oh no, that's Star Fox. Fun <laughs> 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 game! Do you, do you want some video game trivia then? Mm. So, and, and if Atari was here, he would tell me in a second. There is a bad guy in one of the Zelda games, one of the 3D ones flies around and you have to defeat him and the code that they they use to control his movement when you are playing the game they ripped off from Star Fox villains and copy pasted wholesale into the Zelda code yeah which means if you know the right 
if you hack the game correctly, you can actually get a, a Star Fox Starfighter in Zelda yeah. R Wing flying around. It's um, because that code's there in the game. It's just not called upon in that form. It's it's the same bird that they used in Majora's Mask that steals your shit, and he flies around in in Kukiri Village. Yeah. So, how much porn is influenced in the fandom by video games? Besides, Sonic. I've seen a lot of Sonic. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you have to, you know. I, I swear to God, I went to a con once, and it looked like I saw an official Sega, like How to Draw Sonic porn book or something. Like it was from Japan. I'm 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 certain that oh Japan. I'm certain that Japan has, and they have their own way of, of interpreting fandom and video games and their relationship with stuff. And I'm not going to get into it because I have not taken the cultural sensitivity course on that. <laughs> Good, but, we have listeners in Japan. But I I I know that the Japanese fans are, for example, I, see I don't know enough about Pokemon. If Overzend was here, he would know this. But there's the one character that you that was accused of blackface. Um, Jinx. Jinx. Oh yes. Um, and what's funny with that is someone someone had done some research, and what it came down to is the the character was based on a Japanese fad at the time, where Japanese girls trying to imitate American famous like singers, who are mostly a lot of them are black, would wear a lot of bronzer and darken their skin to look like these famous Americans. So they were basically doing blackface, but as opposed to doing it in a way to make fun of black people, it was to emulate these these celebrities that mm. they thought were popular. So Jinx may have come from that, which just means it was secondhand blackface. <laughs> Second, secondhand blackface, now available at your local thrift it store. It was meant to be complimentary <laughs> blackface, but in the U.S. we don't have complimentary blackface, so you can't do that. So no, we just have Miley funny. Cyrus. So moving on. <laughs> now we have insulting white people. Yeah. <laughs> so here, here's uh, one of those questions. So furry is about escape, especially for suiting. In video games, in a way, are escape. Are they the same kind of escape? If not, how are they different? I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's a certain aspect to, like, I could go on for hours about fur suiting and that psychology in my own p opinion. But I think that that a lot of people do fur suiting because yes, it enables you to to hide in plain sight that you get to lose yourself in a character, that you, by playing that role, you have a different relationship with the public and the people around you than you do as your regular self. Um, I think that video games where very frequently you aren't interacting with the public, you can get lost in a character, in a narrative, in a story, in an activity. So there is some aspects of it that are similar as far as escapism, but that as where fursuiting requires you to go out and be in and ab about the world. Um, video games don't. It's, it's very much a solo endeavor. I know a lot of games are multiplayer and co-op, and more and more games are going that way, but I think that if we look at the average user base of like Xbox Live, there is still that anonymity that, you know, as a fursuiter, you have anonymity, but you are, you are a real object, and someone can punch you in the face if they want. But yeah, there's, but there's always an element of being unrealistic. Like you can't live in your fursuit all the time, but that's striving to be ideal in a different way, right? Well, I, I think so. I think in a lot of ways, you know, I, I don't know that the goal for people who who are in the furry fandom though is to become actually covered in fur. Well, no, no. I think it's... a lot of it is you're building a personality that inhabits that that create that creature, and maybe that personality is more 
extroverted, more outgoing, more comfortable in public, more pick your favorite thing that, that you strive to try and incorporate that into who you are. I think that's more my relationship with my characters has been trying to get to that. It's not so much having pause and fur right. as having the, the mindset of being comfortable in public, talking to people that, that the fursuit can act as kind of a, a crutch as a, as a way to enable that relationship. So going into Borderlands and playing as Zero, you know, trying to make decisions that I think make sense for this assassin character, going into, you know, any game and trying to make decisions from the perspective of the character. I know there are other people who play games differently that they go in and it's, what would I do? This character will be me. I'm going to make this character behave as I would in this scenario, given these constraints. That's fine, too. I'm not calling that wrong. It's just a different way to approach the narrative of a video game. So I'm not going to allow my character to smoke. When you when you play Zelda, do you put in your name or do you put in Link? I usually put uh, my name. Like, See, I never ever like put Rue my name in. or something like that. No. Well, and does does that influence how you play as Link? Does Link behave? Does Ruchi Link play, play differently than Link Link? De- depending, depending, he might like run around and instead of doing his objective, he might like Pick be chicken. slashing at grass or something no i'm just kidding but i think i think you know it's like for example i think zelda the zelda games are you know you can explore and do things in different orders but you know link can't literally do anything you can think of yeah it's it's a literary link link cannot put down his sword and shield and decide he'd rather be a baker that's not an option that's open to you in the game (laughs) link's bakery (laughs) you can't make the most delicious cakes in all of hyrule (laughs) i don't think that could happen um, you I can't think, take like a character and decide to marry them or something like that. You know, and Fable, you know, Fable is an example attempted that. I think Mass Effect attempted to give you some of that freedom to make a character in your own image or whatever image you but wanted. Do you want that though? I don't know. I, I, I not don't. With, I play not games to Link. not do what I do every day. I'd, I, I, but but then you look at games like The Sims, and The Sims oh, is the a Sims. game of, of living life. And I think I think the ultimate goal in The Sims is to make you realize that with all the hours you've wasted getting your Sims place to be as nice as it is, you could have gotten your own place to look as nice as it is. <laughs> you know, I think I think that's actually the the goal of The Sims is very meta. You know, you win when you realize the only way to win is not to play. So yeah. so that's that's the mm-hmm. defining difference for you then is when you're when you're fursuiting you can do whatever you want in suit, but a video game you can't. Yeah, I mean in, in, in fursuiting you have basically all the same freedoms you have in real life. Anything that anything you can do, you can do. do you and think in video games you are limited by how creative was the guy coding this. Who are some of the memorable furry characters that you remember? Furry characters that I remember. In game. In games. There's a lot um, of Sonic. Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep coming back to that. I need a hey, sound. I mean, if, if FA wasn't in stuck in read-only mode, I'm pretty sure that I could bet anyone here, you know, refresh refresh the page every five seconds for a minute and something related to Sonic is going to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-oh. <laughs> Furries <laughs> leaping from the building. No, Sonic porn. Sonic porn, it's on FA. <laughs> You're shocked to hear this, we know. <laughs> Um, other furry characters, I mean, a lot of them didn't really start in video games. It's things like DuckTales. Um, I played Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers um, on Nintendo. 
Um, a lot of those Disney characters that made sometimes a very awkward transition to video games, um, I, I think, are, are characters that I remember. Was there ever, like, a Tailspin video game? Yes. There must have been. I don't think I ever played that then. I just assume it exists. It was, some, it was on NES. They there's had some people that absolutely loved that game. I liked the show. But I think those are the characters that, that I remember are things like that. Um, I remember watching the Sonic Saturday morning cartoons. I have those. Which one? Saddam. The, yeah, the, the, the actual dark, gritty one. Yeah, I have it on disc. The one that I all saw on TV when I was a kid was always the Obsessed with Chili Dog Sonic. Oh, and that, then, was, that was oh, the, the adventures of Sonic yeah. Steve Urkel. And then, he did and then, both of them. Oh, he did? Yeah, he was Sonic for both. And then later I got I got to see the Saddam ones, and it was like, this is this is not the same. <laughs> no. It's uh-huh. not. You know what it's sad is that... Um, wow, Mobius is just screwed. I mean, it's it's one that, like, the adventures of Sonic was just you had an incompetent bad guy it's and an arrogant grinder. hedgehog, yes. and, and the hedgehog had fun trolling the bad guy. That really was the premise of it. Also, chili dogs were consumed. Where where Saddam, it's like you lost Sonic. You lost the the battle's over. You're you know you've lost the war. You're gonna pick fights and occasionally win, but Robotnik's gonna pwn you. You you've the planet's gone, man. You you are not going to win this. Don't they still continue that storyline in the comics, or did they actually finish it? I I don't know. I would have to go get a Sonic comic for that. Uh, I know I know that at least for a large large chunk of years, the entire comic was that storyline. But I mean, they didn't. They finished it out because the cartoon just cliff hung. Yeah, it was, and you're done. Um, but I mean, as far as like characters from video games, again, I haven't played that many. I, mean, I haven't really let furry guide my video game decisions. Well, <laughs> so like the Ninja Turtles, I guess. You should read the next email. Okay. So the next email is from Axel. Thunderpaw. Dear. Koru, Rue, and Tugs. How does he get first billing? Hmm? Deal. <laughs> he appreciates that there's a lot of behind the scenes. Actually, yeah, he does. I wrote him an email. So, Rar, Hello again. This is Axel Thunderpaw, the tiger cub from Rochester, New York. I want to thank all so much for answering my email from the Therian and Otherkin episode. Your advice helped a lot. And I was able to find a lot of furries at my college and even went to my first meet. Congratulations. That's Yay! so cool. <laughs> the journey of a thousand depravities begins with a single furry. Yep. As for, um, for video games, the games that probably made me the furry I am today <laughs> are the Sonic the Hedgehog games. <laughs> How many times have we talked about this? <laughs> they were the first games that I bought for myself were and were the games I played most as a child, especially um, Sonic Adventures 1 and 2. I love those games. Um, those two are among my favorite games ever. I loved being able to be like Tells and like oh, not Lord, be able to die. Read. <laughs> You've seen the Funny or Die about that, I think. Is it College Humor, Funny or Die, one of those? Yeah, yeah. the the ennui of immortality sets in for tails as everyone he knows and loves dies. And he doesn't. <laughs> and he stays prepubescent. I, I've never seen that. Okay, Don't the show it's we'll, we'll YouTube it sometime. As everything about them was awesome, especially the music. Anyways, it is the most. Um, it is most definitely because the Sonic games that I wanted to see myself 
as an anthropomorphic animal, because wit, um, which began as just like furry game characters over human ones. Liking. Oh. And eventually led up to the creation of my fursona. Sorry about the long email. Keep up the great work. Stay furry, Axel. I think Sonic Generations has been the best Sonic game since Sonic Adventure. Just I'm really. I, I bought it and I've played like one world. Sonic it's good. I, to, I know. I need to go back. Like, like, did you? You put it. It's like you said. You kind of approach a Sonic game with a huge amount of "Is it going to suck?" <laughs> and expecting it to suck. Yeah, that's that's. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like buying the odd numbered Star Trek movies. This is going to be bad. Sonic, yeah, it's going to be Sonic Riders. Sonic Riders. <laughs> Anyhow, how do you guys I feel about say, Sonic Four? Uh, it was all right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have to say, Sonic Colors and Sonic Generation. Do you still my Sonic Colors, by the way? Uh, I do. Okay, good. Because it's his. Sonic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? Anyway, I'll get it back to you. Sonic Colors Sonic. and Generations are were both just surprisingly good. I don't know whose ass got kicked, but keep doing that because that was good. And no more Werehog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I'm. Rubber I'm, arms, McGee. Hug. I'm as much a fan of 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 where anything as the, as as anyone can be, but <laughs> that was a previous reference to TF. Sonic Werehog, really? This was just bad. Unleashed. Sonic's Sonic shtick is he's fast, and Sega continually tries to make him not be fast. It's not going to work. Also, Nintendo, let's <laughs> talk about this for a second. Your Olympics games that you release. Sega makes those. Or Sega, whatever. Okay, that's even worse. You're gonna have a foot race event. And Sonic loses? Yeah. He is the fastest thing alive. See your own marketing material. <laughs> he, he can't lose a foot race. He, Throwing a javelin? Okay, fine. I don't know. Give him even odds. But a foot race? Game over. <laughs> he's not wearing his super shoes. It's, his, it's in the shoes. It's the shoes? It's the shoes. So, like, he's not squeezing them enough to pump them up so he can... He God. doesn't have a power ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you better... Have you played those games? I've never actually played the Olympics I've never ones. played them. I just watched the, the commercials where it's like Mario and Sonic getting ready on the blocks and someone, you know, starter pistol and they take off and it's a close race. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> no, like you could have put loop-de-loops in the track and Sonic would still win. <laughs> That's true. Uh, how well, what thank we, you, Axel, for that email. What are we at time-wise? Well, anyway, any last thoughts before we go to our last break? There's a video game that's on the list here that we haven't talked about that I keep getting fixated on, but for, I guess, non-video game reasons. But you keep talking about Link, and we have Twilight Princess on here, and I keep reading it as Princess Twilight for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> that was... I, I do like a good game based on a folktale. Oh, and Japanese no. games do do that, and that's fun. My we'll little pony has ruined Zelda for me. Sweet. Twilight Princess. For what it's worth truly is driven by your letters, emails, voicemails, and more. The show would be a lot more boring without you. You make the difference. Here's how you can join in the fun. To comment on today's show topic, visit forwhatisworth.com and leave your thoughts on the show notes page. You don't need to create an account to do so. 
Email the show at cast at forwhatitsworth.com for general comments. Rue at forwhatitsworth.com. Tugs at forwhatitsworth.com. And if you're lonely, Koru at forwhatitsworth.com can be used to contact a specific cast member. Voicemail is awesome and you don't have to type. So call 469-44-FURRY and leave us a message. Long distance charges may apply. Send cookies, packages, love, and not bombs to P.O. Box 25394, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84125, United States. If you would like to remain anonymous, just let us know and we will keep it that way. Before sending items to the show, please be aware we cannot return them to you for safety reasons. If you have original music or art you'd like played on the air or displayed on the website, send it to music at forwhatitsworth.com. If you'd like to keep up between shows, check out our Twitter, at For What It's Worth, our Facebook page, or our Google Plus page. It's a great way to get your show fixed and see what we're up to. And now, back to the show. It's the final segment, and it's time for the game. The game. Super hard game. Oh, is Michael Douglas going to be here? <laughs> no. <laughs> so every answer you get is one point. Every wrong answer is... Is negative one. No, you get no points. Okay. I don't know why I wrote negative one. So, why okay. did you put negative one? Because it's time to read question one. Okay, well, according to... You ready? I, this I, is number as one. As ready as I'm going to be. Okay, here Hit we go. go. According to the official can- Nintendo canon, how many timelines does the Legend of Zelda timeline split into? I want to say four. Uh, no, I didn't think so. The correct answer is three. Three, okay. Question two. What yep. Zelda title leads to this fracture? I have no idea. <laughs> Ocarina of Time. Makes sense. Question three. Ask me how many Zelda titles I've played. How many have you played? None. <laughs> <laughs> That's a negative point. Uh, I've, I've played, I think I've played the original gold cartridge like partway through a number of times. They're <laughs> kind of worth playing. I think you have just ha- offended almost like all of our audience. See, I get, I get most of my Legend of Zelda knowledge secondhand from Atari because he's like a super, super fan. So... Question three: What is the title of Japan for in Japan in Japan for the American um, Super Mario Brothers two? You couldn't just ask me like what Earthbound was because I know what that one. Was. No, no, the game is supposed to be hard. Yeah, I, I don't know that one either. Super Mario USA. <laughs> Meaning it's easier. I thought it was Doki Doki Panic. No, the U.S. Mario 2 in Japan, they released that game too, the one with all the Mario characters in it, is Mario USA. Oh. Four, what is the name of the Sega Genesis outside of North America? The Sega Deuteronomy. (laughs) That was close. You were very close. The Sega Mega Drive. How was I close? (laughs) That's the point. (laughs) I was closer than I was nowhere close at all. Number five, the Atari... um, 2600 was sold in Sears under what brand? 
Was it Westinghouse? <laughs> this is a great game. Yeah, Tele- I don't know. Telegames. Telegames. Sears Telegames. What is the Atari 2800? I non-existent? I know about the 5600. <laughs> the Atari 2600 in Japan was called the Atari 2800. Okay, well. Now you know. That's how many years I spent growing up in Japan. <laughs> what was the last license titled released on the Sega Dreamcast? Tugs's Tears. <laughs> 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 Trigger Heart. Excelica. Excelica. Is there any words in that title? <laughs> it came out in 2007 or dropped Scrabble tiles in a blender and hit puree until <laughs> yeah. a game name popped out. Question eight. What is Gordon Ramsay's most well-known video game? I know what Penn & Teller's most well-known video game is. Bullshit. <laughs> no, it's uh, Desert Bus. That's funny. But Gordon Ramsay. Um, FIFA 2001. Do you know who Gordon Ramsay is? He is. He used to be a rugby player. Oh. Did you not know this? I did oh. not. He was, that, there's a reason his face looks like that. It's not just from offending British audiences. It's, <laughs> he, it's nice he, to them. He, he, he was a rugby player who got beat up a lot. But I'm like, I can't imagine they'd make a, could they make like a Diner Dash version of Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares or something? No, it actually is Hell's Kitchen. There's a Hell's Kitchen game. Yeah, and he's Why a- would anyone play that? <laughs> To get yelled at? <laughs> I'd play it. You donkey! <laughs> Since you like Zelda games, here's another question oh, for boy. you. Oh, boy. Can we do oh. Sonic? I know Sonic, apparently. <laughs> what Zelda enemy cannot be killed in the original NES release in the USA, um, despite being able to be killed in Japan? Okay, can I give an anecdote instead of an answer? <laughs> okay, hold on. Yeah, there we go. We'll no. go with that. Um, there was a game that was, I think it was Summer of Sam, that the copy protection was such that if you pirated the game and the game determined it had been pirated, it spawned this grotesque pink monster that was invulnerable. The rest of the game played normally, but this thing would pursue you relentlessly through the game world. That's funny. So, so you could play the game as much as you wanted, but you couldn't ever stop because if you paused for a moment, this thing would be on you and kill you. And that was how they did their copy protection. So there, I believe there's now a challenge out there where you intentionally glitch the game into thinking it's pirated and see how far you can get with this invulnerable monstrosity pursuing you. <laughs> it's like the Michael Jackson game, if you pirate that. Um, the Michael Jackson experience on the DS, it will play his music, but on top of that will be Vavuzula's. <laughs> Anyhow, the answer is the Pole's voice, which are those rabbits. Oh. The Japanese Famicom had a microphone and you'd have to scream into it, whereas the NES did not. That's the only way to kill them. Oh, okay. So, question 10. Is, Final Fantasy VII was originally designed for what system? For what system? The original PlayStation? Nintendo 64. It was canceled because when it came time to put it out, they needed 13 cartridges. <laughs> that seems like something you would have checked in advance. Like, like you couldn't do the math. Okay, guys, how much does a cartridge hold? Well, it holds X. Well, how big is our game? 13X. Yeah, that's that's probably not going to work. That's why they so, needed the PlayStation. So, Koru, Koru. What? Points. Negative Negative 10. one. <laughs> Negative one. <laughs> 
like, yeah, you know what that means? I'm Alan. We Davis. have an all-time record here on Yay. for what it's worth. Yay! <laughs> that means I'm, I'm your show's equivalent of Alan Davies, apparently. <laughs> Nobody can take this record away from you. How do how do you feel? I need to pee. <laughs> no, I, I, that, I guess that's an achievement. I'll take it. Achievement unlocked. Failed harder than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> or failed better. I'm so good at failing. Do you hear that sound? It's time for the listener mail. Yay! We ready? Mm-hmm. Yep, Let's go ahead. It. All right. Hey, everybody. My name is Matsy, or Matt if you prefer. I'm a German Shepherd Dachshund mix from North Carolina, and I just started listening to the show in March. I think the newest episode at the time was the Hobby vs. Lifestyle episode. From there, I went through your entire backlog of episodes, starting with episode zero. (laughs) Would you like to put an apology in at this point? I'm (laughs) sorry. (laughs) I'm very sorry. (laughs) Something in that episode just struck a chord with me, but I cried after listening to it. Ruchi cries after listening to it, too. Um, I cry after every episode. (laughs) Something about the episode gave me hope. I don't know what it was, but it made me feel like everything was going to get better. That whatever I'm going through, it'll pass and it'll get better. I just wanted to say that you guys are great and that at the very least you make the two-hour commute to school all the better. That's a long commute. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Also, I know it's a bit late for it. But I'd like to talk about my experience with bullies. Which is, we did that episode three, four episodes ago? Mm -hmm. Okay. I was bullied a lot throughout school. They sent me into higher grades for certain subjects. When I started acing those, they decided to move me up a grade. I was immediately ostracized by my class for being smart enough to get into their class. I moved to being homeschooled, and after a year or two of that, I wanted to move back to public school. Because I was homeschooled for a couple years, I never learned how to actually interact with kids my age. I was constantly making stupid comments and things I thought were witty observations, but were actually completely obvious. I moved to another school across the state. Again, another reason to be bullied. I'm the new kid in town. I had actually ran out of the classroom crying. At one point, it was so bad. When I got into high school, it it got so much better. I don't know if it's because I went to an early college, aka nerd school. I've never heard of anyone call anything a nerd school. Uh, Or if everyone just decided to grow up, but I was never really bullied from then on. In senior year, I was diagnosed with Asperger's Syndrome, which explained why I would make all those stupid comments I was talking about. It explained so much, and it sucked that I didn't know about this earlier. It wasn't really a factor in anything in the future, but it did make me feel better about being bullied, I guess. I'm not saying they were right. Bullying is never right. I'm saying there was something I was doing to give them a target. Around the time I found your podcast, I decided to try reaching out online a second time. This time, I haven't hadn't spoken to anyone online, but I have been doing some art, and hey, I sent in an email, didn't I? I'll take my victories where I can get them. Because of this show, I went to a fur meet for the first time. I was able to talk, my, talk to my parents about going to a fur con in the future. I can't drive, so I have to get one of them, too. If you guys have any tips on what would be a good type of con to go to for a first time, that'd be great. I'll throw con. shameless plug Uh, I was able to be more open as a person thanks to you guys thank you all so much I hope to write more in the future new loyal listener Matsy P.S. Rue telemarketers usually confuse me with my own mother it's funny to me because I look so incredibly non-feminine that you could never confuse me for a girl I feel your pain how often does that happen anymore BTW every day (laughs) You should change your phone number so you don't get that but with calls. my new with my new job as being a photographer manager, 
now it's not agents calling in. I'm calling my photographers and they know that I am a guy. They, I've specifically, <laughs> I specifically made it aware that they knew that I was a guy. So there you go. Hello, yes, this is Rue calling from the home office. I have a penis and I need you to do this thing. <laughs> I think it's good that that uh, Matsy has had the experience of finding out that like Asperger's syndrome. I think sometimes when you're struggling to deal with people in school or in any environment, getting to the root of why you're struggling, whether it's just you need to learn something or you don't understand some part or aspect of yourself, that that's useful. I, I think it's a little interesting that he says that in a way it almost sounds like he's trying to excuse the bullies, that it was Matsy's fault that he was giving them something to bully. I don't think there's any excuse for bullying, personally. Mm-mm. Whether you give them a target or not, being a bully is not beneficial, is not helpful, is not conducive to education or learning. And I don't think we should make any effort to justify or excuse bullying. So that's my pr- that's my two cents on that one. I agree with you. You know, I'm glad that the show has helped you. Um, that's why we, we've put so much time and effort into this show is to help, help furries just to, you know, learn how to get through life as a furry, (laughs) you know, other than that, you know, we, we talk about various things within the fandom, but our ultimate goal is to, to help the community to grow and to help you to understand where, you know, you can fit in as a furry, but also fit in life as well. Yes. Well, thanks for the email, Matsy. We will move on to Yonder Smell, which I will read. Gentlemen, the recent Therian and Otherkin episode was a perfect example of why I love your show. It was emotionally and intellectually rewarding to listen to Yuri speak humbly and clearly about his feeling that he is a dragon at the core of his identity. Yuri did not for a moment come across as phony or as if he was trying to run from himself or impress anyone. He spoke modestly about his image dysphoria and what he feels he truly is, and you guys engaged him in this conversation without any inclination of judgment that it may be peculiar for a human to identify themselves as a dragon. Drawing a comparison between Yuri's personal experience and that of gender of that hold on and that of the gender dysphoria of the transgender community, related that people are extraordinarily complex and that not is it only okay, it is fantastic. Humankind will always seek out its unpredictable individual identities, and for that I am proud. You show us your show continually serves as a model of humanity's wondrous diversity and has maintained a constant thread of kindness and spirit of fun throughout. Thanks a million, Yondis. Thank you, Yondis. Thank you, Yondis. This is very nice. Yeah, it's, oh. it's interesting. I, I read a paper recently uh, that was it was about how males develop near the point of sexual ambiguity. That if you look at how human development happens. The X chromosome lays down most of the framework for how a human should be built. Um, this is why women generally aren't susceptible to a lot of the genetic disorders like colorblindness and other things that men are more likely to get. It's also why men have nipples. Uh, yeah, because the, the framework for, for nipples is laid down before the Y chromosome kicks in and says, hold the phone, we're going to do things a little differently. <laughs> um and it's, it's one that when you look at the distinguishing characteristics between what that make something a male, especially in humans, it's not really binary and it's not really clearly defined. That, that our genetics are so varied that there are infinite diversity, basically, in, in even the scale of from male to female. 
And I think our society is still trying to wrap its head around that. <laughs> you know, those who those who are are clearly male or female and happy in that identity don't have a problem, and they don't understand why anyone else would have a problem, because it's it's something for which they have no frame of reference and nothing that they can relate to, and that leaves a great many people who are not clearly either physically or in their own mind male or female in a very awkward position that they they have a hard time explaining themselves to the lawmakers policymakers and other people gender fluidity exists sexual fluidity exists get over it that's really what it needs to be that's true well thank you for sending in that email uh we are going to go ahead and read lumio draco's email says Dear For What It's Worth cast, I was very impressed with the interview during the first part of the Therian and Otherkin, and I too found some of the topics that were brought up similar to what I thought about on my free time. What the hell is that? Free time? I know. No <laughs> kidding. It's that time between when you fall asleep and when you wake up. <laughs> oh, I'm doing things then. <laughs> and what are you doing during those things, huh? As a matter of fact, there are there is an area of um, psychology that has a focus on study sp- studying spiritually and religion, which spirituality. I, oh, spirituality. Sorry, spirituality and religion, which I myself wish to be a part of. To reflect on the what? Remember how we, when we were talking to Wolf on the Therian episode? Oh yeah, he was talking about the what three was, rules. What was the three rules again? Do you remember? Uh, there's the uh, well, there's the rule of me first, then family, then everyone else. The way that people normally think, and that's how animals operate. And he was saying that you basically try and break it and go the other way. The fourth stage, which, in all honesty, is hard to find and difficult to explain, but for my best educated guess. It involves the integration, integration and trans- transcendent oh, of the lower stages. Think of it as a stage that circles and encompasses the lower stages. In fact, the pattern holds for the lower stages. The second stage encompassing the first and the third encompassing the first and second. Seeing this connection between the process of breaking the three rules and the results of development researchers give testament to the wisdom your guest provided and the source that inspired him. The sum spiritual development as well as the forms of development is the movement for the self-centered view to the world. From a self-centered view. Oh. It is the movement toward cosmetic centeredness. Cosmic centeredness. (laughs) Cosmetic centeredness. Maybe he's bored with it. Maybe it's Maybelline <laughs> philosophy. By Adobe. By Adobe. <laughs> that is the human aspect in us. Anyways, that is my um, psycho babble for the time being. And just wanted to re- reiterate um, that this breaking of the three rules isn't just another belief. It's a phenomenon do, do, that do, do, do. has been recorded and observed. <laughs> Yours truly um, Lumos. Uh, Lu- Lumos. <laughs> <laughs> Expelliarmus. <laughs> Leviosa. 
Lumio Draco. Sorry he screwed that up, Lumio. Please keep writing. I do well, love has, getting your emails. It has Draco right there. So you kidding. went right to Lumos. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, whatever. I guess I guess Lumos Draco lives in Colofado, but Lumio you know Draco what? You know what? I'm sorry that I butchered your email, but, you know, I think that you have some really good points here. It was actually it was a very deep philosophical discussion, and honestly, we could probably do a whole episode just on the three rules. Maybe we will one day. Maybe we won't. Who knows? But the fourth rule, I didn't think about that, but that's true. It's kind of realizing everything. Thank you for that email. I think I think we're going to struggle to get to a cosmic-centered viewpoint as long as we don't actually get into the cosmos. <laughs> well, we could get to the cosmetic viewpoint. The cosmetic viewpoint. I mean, we're already doing that. We can go talk to Willem. But the <laughs> the the. I think that that's I've been part watching of too much Face Off, you know, reality TV. Never mind. Yeah. We, all As right. opposed to a terrible Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Thank you for the email, Lumio. Now we move to Audio Freak. Oh, this has. one's mine. Yeah. Okay. <gasps> oh. This look. isn't real. This isn't real. That's that's good. Am I allowed, so I'm allowed to make fun of this one? Yes. yes. You can. Yeah, I, I'm going to skip to the end of this one first, ooh, 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 and where it says, this is all just fake. So. That the rest of you can enjoy this now with that, that caveat. So from Audio Freak, he starts, Hey guys, you guys suck. You guys suck so much I've compiled a list of reasons why you suck. I don't know why I read it like that. Is that offensive I like. I love that voice. Go. <laughs> Number one. Koru is clearly way more intelligent than lowercase Rue and lowercase Tugs combined. <laughs> Lowercase new sentence, why the entire F asterisk asterisk? That's not enough asterisks to make fuck. <laughs> so I'm going to assume it's, it's that you fat. meant fat. Why the entire fat? Is he not getting enough airtime? Lowercase I know he's busy and all, but at this rate, lowercase tug should just step down and do the audio managing. Lowercase I suggest lowercase tugs because if it were lowercase Rue, we'd probably be missing have a, missing have the show over an oopsie. <laughs> missing have the show. <laughs> also, you should have had a period after the word oopsie. It is the conclusion of a sentence. Which brings me to my next point. Oh, there's ellipses. where the periods went. <laughs> ellipses. Number two. Why can't with no apostrophe Rue read? Lowercase, what grade is she in anyway? <laughs> Number three, why do you play games that are way too hard? Two should have two O's in this context, but we can, insta we can instead send way too hard if that will make it work for you. Number four, why are the games always trivia? Interrobang. I just like saying interrobang. Number five, you guys have a Canadian doing the idents and intros. Period. Lowercase s. Seriously, comma, lame. Period. Even worse, he! Apostrophe, lowercase s. French Canadian! <laughs> That's going to be a soundbite on the board. French Canadian! <laughs> Number six, your show has no excrement. No, wait, sorry, excitement. Number seven, you don't do any live shows except for cons, in which case it's only live for the con goers. What about, like, that's, I think that's a sentence fragment. What about us on the other side of the country? I see, lowercase I see, just how much you care about us. You know, actually, if you want to buy us a plane ticket to go anywhere east of the Rockies, we'd love to do it. But that's the problem. 
Honestly, I'm not even sure what infrastructure you need to do a live podcast. It seems like that'd be complicated. Well, we do live shows at cons. We don't do like streaming live. I We've done it once. You could you could pull the Rush Limbaugh where you just put up a webcam and invite people to watch while you make the show. <laughs> that would be a disaster. But yeah, we can't go east because it's expensive. Number eight. I had one for eight extra white space, but I just forgot it. Number right. nine. Koru isn't, with no apostrophe, getting paid enough. Lowercase, he totally deserves a raise, but will he ever see one? Extra white space, not so long as the Care Bear cousin Massa is in charge. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we were talking about blackface earlier, and... uh, You know what? Yep. (laughs) Or am I wrong and it's Rue's fault again? It is, it is. Secretly, (laughs) Secretly, it is Rue that keeps the purse strings tight. He is. He's very tight in the purse. Uh, number 10. <laughs> I had nine mostly good reasons why you guys suck. Tilde, because I don't know why you put a tilde there. Audio freak! <laughs> and that was one of my favorite emails. P.S. This was all just fake hate mail. Ha! All right. Well, thank you for the email, Audio Freak. Next, we have Light Fox. Yay, Light Fox. Read. Oh, okay. It says, greeting, Ruchi, Tugs, Koru, and fire breath. I am a huge fan of your show and have watched almost all of them. Well, I don't know how you could watch them. FA is still not up, but they just posted they'll be up in four hours. Woo! Okay. That'd probably be more impressive if the show was live. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. FA is already up. <laughs> By the time you get. So what? <laughs> Let's see. I'm still working on it. All of the episodes I've seen have succeeded in adding to my understanding of the wonderful furry fandom. That's a movie. Really? No. (laughs) (laughs) The Mutual of Omaha presents the wonderful furry fandom. In Technicolor. (laughs) Filmed in Panavision. And have brought many smiles to my face for that I thank you. You're welcome. Now for the questions. Okay, this is for Koru. Koru, please answer this question. <laughs> How hard is it to edit the podcast? He has no idea because he's not the one who does the editing. The episodes are edited and mastered in Audition and then pushed online. If it goes like good episode and Rue's not reading a lot of emails, it's actually pretty quick. It only takes me four to five hours to do an episode edit. But if... Ruse of, of reading a lot, or we end up screwing around a lot, then it can take up to 14 hours. So wait, is it okay to make fun of that? Because I'm really not sure. Like, I haven't paid attention to this podcast enough to know. <laughs> All you have to do is bring up things like Wisconsin, Texas, Colorado, Charles Dixon, and and, Lum- and Lumos Draco, and then you'll, <laughs> you'll be good. That's what you do. So is that what all those stickers were about at, at Ida Fur? Yeah, I have no most, idea what I was selling. Most of those stickers are my mess-ups. Okay. I from was, reading I like, emails. Wisconsin, Texas is uh, Rue's reading an email, and it's it's a famous story now. But So, so I, yeah. in retrospect, I feel bad now when I took the Sharpie and started correcting the stickers to sell them. That, that Maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> No, no, limited edition. <laughs> limited so, edition fixed Rue stickers. So how hard is it to edit the podcast? It's not terribly hard. It is can be tedious, but it, and it is a lot of work, but it's also fun because you get to put it together in the end, and you eventually get used to hearing your Phrasing. own voice. Thank you. So um, this is for Rue. What is the square root of a cookie? Chocolate chips. Negative three cookies. <laughs> um, for Tugs, 
Have you ever considered video podcasting? Yes. It's not going to happen for a couple of reasons. One, I'm ugly and I don't like people to see it. If you go to a live show, I actually pro- prohibit photography for a reason because I'm ugly. Two, I don't think you're video ugly. editing is a bitch. And to keep audio and video in sync is hard and I don't like dealing with it. It's like Premiere is cool or whatever it is. And yeah, Premiere and After Effects. Yeah, Premiere and After Effects are cool. I get it. I also get that Audition will even do a little video editing. I don't really want to do any of that because that takes longer and I don't have enough hard disk space in the world for that. I also actually feel that it would change the show drastically. I know. People would know that you're not a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> on, on the flip side, I think he might have been writing the email from a future where you have decided to do video podcasting because he keeps saying he's watched all of your episodes. Well, no. We broadcast in 1080p. 1080p. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> We have retina display here in the studio. We do. <laughs> besides, besides, this is a fox that's talking to you right now. I'm a fox. I'm talking to you. This is a puppy bear. He's talking to Actually, you. Actually, I do wonder that. What people imagine when they're listening. Do they imagine our personas? Well, they've. that's all they've seen is our characters. So, therefore... Unless they go to a live show. And then yeah. They, and, then, and then they stop listening to it. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's, it's like... It's you like, ruined the magic! It's like the, fur, the Rainforest ad says... You imagine how good we sound right now, and you're probably like, oh, yeah, Rue's probably like all skinny and hot, and Tug sounds like some rich Latin lover, and I don't know what they would think about you, but whatever they're thinking Kermit about. Kermit the Frog on crack. Yeah. Rah! And uh, then you see us, and you're like, oh, they look like every other furry. They need a good shave. They have a five o'clock shadow in there, except Rue. And yes, yeah, it's I disappointing. Don't, I don't have any hair. So just imagine fat blobs in a studio or our personas. Either one works. Fat, fat, fat blobs? Look, man, if I set the bar low and then I realize I'm not a completely fat blob, then at least I look okay. It makes it sound like like so now, those... So now it's a podcast hosted by, like, two comfy sacks. <laughs> no. Or you can imagine those little little blobs of fat that walk around a Doctor Who. Adipose. They'll, they'll think of, like, those. They'll think like of talking love sacks. There's more email. <laughs> um, thank you for the time and having a wonderful furry day. Sincerely with cookies. Yay, Lightbox. Thank you for the email. Yay. All right. I will read the next one, which is Caleb Fox's email. Hello, for what it's worth, my name is Chase, but you can call me Caleb Fox. I'm a 17-year-old red fox from New Hampshire, but my current residence is North Carolina. I have been listening to your podcast for a while now. Excuse me. I just finally had the courage to send an email. I would have before, but I'm extremely shy. Anyway, I know this might be off topic, but I wanted to know what you think about disabilities in the fandom. Since I have Asperger's syndrome, I find it difficult to socialize in the fandom. This is why I'm afraid to go to my first con next year when I'm 18. I'm afraid I'll be too shy to talk to anyone, and if I do, I don't know what to, or I won't know what to say. This is what scares me. On another note, I would like to thank you for your amazing podcast. I found it a while back from an advertisement on FA. Oh God, I love how that worked. I always find it nice to listen to your podcast when I'm sad or in a bad mood. It always cheers me right up. Well, I'm going to go now because I've run out of things to say. Hugs and cookies. Bye. Colin D. Caleb Fox. You know, I have something for you. You know, if you don't try, how are you going to know if you could have succeeded? So Wait. go out there, put on your best face, be yourself, show people who you are. And if they don't like it, then you know what? They're not your friends. They're not the people that you're going to hang out with. Just go out there. Be yourself. Be proud of who you are. We make mistakes. We all have our disabilities. We all have our shortcomings. 
but go out there and be yourself and be proud of who you are. It may sound a little cheesy, a little bit, but it required reading. If there is such a thing for a con, it's more like required watching. Go watch Meet the Robinsons and then go to the con if you're worried about it. I hope our advice helps you out a little bit. I have math question for you. Giggles plus pounces equals what? Ruchi. Pop quiz. Hmm. What does that? It's me. No, just kidding. <laughs> Tugs, do you want to answer this question? I honestly, I don't know. I'll give you a hint, says the email. It's something most furries like to do in a room. We call it fur pile, but none furries call it something else. Fur pile? Oh, non-furries. I don't know. Fur pile. It's just called a, an orgy. Giggles plus pounces. That's some interesting foreplay. <laughs> oh, look, it's a Damon line right here. Go! I know. Ho! I might be a brony too now. How do you pronounce that many ellipses? Dot, Okay, a lot of dots. What I love the show. Okay. Blue Paw. P.S. Love you guys except hugs. A big thanks to Kay for that. Thank you. So who's reading the last email? Go ahead. Okay. Hello, I'm Kara the Fox Skunk Hybrid, and I just started listening to your cast via iTunes three days ago. I'm starting at episode one, and I just had to send you an email telling you how much I appreciate you guys making this, and I feel more of more apparent of the parrot? part of the furry fandom now that I have heard it from the muzzles of three such different people, which there were three hosts back then. I am a Mexican fur, more specifically from the college party town itself, Tijuana. I've been feeling daily alone in this giant city, not because there are no furs here, but because... Because Spanish sucks and I sound like a kindergartner when I talk to people. My story is long and I won't get into it, but I just wanted to thank you and wish you all the best of luck. If you're ever heading to Tijuana, let me know and I'll give you a tour. XOXO, Kara the Fox. Thank you. I would love to go to Tijuana, but unfortunately it's probably not a good place for us to go to right now because of some other political reasons in play. But if it ever gets better, yeah, I'll go down there again. I like that place. Yeah, make sure you get a photo for me of where they made Bender Bending Rodriguez. <laughs> Actually, I believe she follows us on Twitter now, too. Um, so she's she's tweeted at us. It's been fun. And don't worry. At least you you know what? My Spanish sucks, too. Here's the thing is, is I don't tell people I speak Spanish because I, in English, there's no such thing as masculine and feminine pronouns. Right? Or, well, there's pronouns, but not like this computer is just a computer. It's a N- thing. Nouns do not have a gender. Yeah, nouns don't have genders. But in Spanish, a belt is, is male. Okay, sort of. A purse is female. Okay. But then you get into things like spoons. What the hell is a spoon? Is it male or female? I don't know. So I always get it wrong. So I just don't advertise at all. I don't. I keep my Spanish locked up until I absolutely need it. And then I sound like adult. So I hear you. That's my two cents. Well, the mailbox has been closed. Thank you for sending your email in. If you guys want to write us, send it to for what it's worth. All right. So before we go, the, 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 the housekeeping. I By the time you're hearing this, Rainforest should be in progress if my calendar in my head is correct. That means you should be up for what it's worth live if you're there. And I'm hoping we get a lot of people. It'll be a lot of fun. We're going to have Keo from Fuzzy Logic on. And the topic for the first time being announced will be how cons have impacted your life. Yay! So, for instance, so send us funny stories. Send us inspirational stories. And we'll read them live at the con. Everybody will know your name. This isn't Cheers. 
It'll be a lot of fun. Friday at 7 o'clock. I still don't know what room. Maybe they'll tell me one day. But it's definitely scheduled, and it's in their program. So, Hey, guys. Guess what? We're going to be starting Halloween episode coming in. Well, the Halloween episode is, if you remember, every single year we have a Halloween special in which we read your Halloween stories that to you live send in music. to us. To live music, sound effects that we make on the spot or no, edit in or whatever. <laughs> so please write your stories now and send them to us. And we will read them on... I would also like to introduce a new rule this year, if you're all right with that. And that is, we, we won't be able to read stories more than two pages long for, for time considerations and those kinds of things. Please also make sure that you edit your story. Um, if, it's, if it's too much, we probably won't read it this time. Uh, so there's another milestone, 50th episode and what? two years. Yeah, is it right now? It's about that time. I don't know the exact date. Um, but in the year and months that Rue and I have been doing the show together in this current phase, we've only ever not done two listener mails on the air. Um, I mean, sometimes we get them in a huge swath from someone and we'll put them together. But as far as I can recall, I think we've only skipped like two or three. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you send your stories in there, you have a good chance of getting on. Next episode will be Robin Hood, the Disney cartoon. We're going to talk about that. So, since everyone and their dog seems to love that, or if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it, I really want to hear from you, actually. Um, but We're how did it influence you? We're just going to be talking you? just about Robin Hood? There's a lot of influence in the furry fandom. What if we do it movie. like Disney? No. You can't even include, like, bedknobs and broomsticks? Okay, we'll add bedknobs and broomsticks. So, Robin Hood and bedknobs and broomsticks. Okay, we're good. Love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is Tugs. This is Rue. Koru's gone. And I'm still here. And this is who? <laughs> this is David. And this has been For, For What, what it's, it's Worth. You actually have to say it. I did. Oh. He did. Damn it. Giving me no cue. Giving me no cue. I still managed to jump in. Yay. <laughs>